You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Deep Tran. I'm Jose Solis. And we're your token theater friends, people who love theater so much. But I don't know about you, Jose. I would not risk my life to go see Godspell. Definitely not Godspell. I mean, I would consider risking my life for like J-Lo or like Madonna or like Kylie, maybe Audra, maybe Kelly. No, I wouldn't risk my life for it. No, I wouldn't. No. Oh, shoot. Don't say, tell Kelly O'Hara, your fave, that you would not risk getting COVID to go see her. Oh, my God. What kind of fanboy are you? Well, definitely not that big of a fanboy. Like, I know my life. I mean, if I would tell her that if I want to keep seeing her work, I don't want to die this one time. So I can see her throughout her entire career because I need to see her in the hours opera. <gasps> Oh, your favorite movie. And it's like, it's so weird. Is she going through Julianne Moore's entire catalog? Do you think she's going to do The Hand That Rocked the Cradle, the musical? I mean, that's like very early Julianne. And I do not want to see Kelly O'Hara die because like Rebecca de Mornay kills her with like all the glass things in the glass house. So definitely not. But I cannot wait to see Kelly O'Hara in a Magnolia musical. It may be at the end of the Affair Opera. And maybe, I mean, who knows? I have plans for you, Kelly. Call me. <laughs> it's like, we'll make something happen during quarantine. We'll do a Zoom reading. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, first equity musical to be presented to a live audience with live actors during a global pandemic in America. Awesome, I guess. And then we're going to be uh, talking about the show that we both experienced as part of from the company Strange Bird Immersive. We both got a tarot reading. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what is in our stars. And uh, who are we talking to today, Jose? Today we're going to be talking to Harriet D. Foy, who is an actor in Finish the Fight, a play that one of our faves, Ming Piper, who we interviewed, so go check out that episode, wrote to commemorate the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote in the United States. It's so insane that women were allowed to vote, but that's another podcast, so we're not going to go into that. Yeah, and you can also see Harriet right now in Pea Valley on Stars, written by our other theater favorite, Katori Hall. See, it all comes back. So what was your first reaction when I sent you that article about how Berkshire Theater Group is doing Godspell outside? And the New, York, the New York Times wrote the article, and it was about how they're trying to make it safe for actors and the people watching by installing plastic partitions between every actor and separating the audience members by six feet. Everyone's required to wear a mask. The, uh, the show's outside in a tent. What was your first reaction? How did you feel? You know that Viola Davis gif from How to Get Away with Mother where she grabs her purse and just leaves? <laughs> That's my reaction to everything related to this God spell. Let me go find my purse. It's like they didn't invite us, but if we if they did, we wouldn't have gone. 
would have politely declined. Yeah, because I'm not going on a bus or a train right now. Can you imagine being on a bus like, with a bunch of strangers? Like when people barely wear their masks on a subway. Like being on a subway right now is one of the most terrifying things you'll ever see. Like the other day, I had to go into the city and someone brushed my knee because I was wearing shorts because I don't wear pants in the summer. Someone brushed my knee with their like bag and I just like grabbed my Lysol. I mean, not my Lysol, like my hand sanitizer. And I just started scrubbing my knee. Like I'm freaking, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator. <laughs> yes, Howard Hughes. Yeah, that, and I'm really torn because on the one hand, it is really important to try to figure out how we're going to present live theater because they say, you know, COVID is not going to go completely away, even if we get a vaccine. So we should all, so the industry should figure out how better practices to make things more sanitary. Because even before, everyone's just so close backstage. There's not good circulation at a Broadway theater. Like everyone, everyone's forced to work when they're sick because they don't feel like they they can take the time off. And so I support any measures that really, you know, that let people not go to work if they feel sick or make or give them better working conditions. But I don't know if uh, doing if turning actors into lab rats right now is a good idea. It's not. <laughs> Basically, it's not. And it is so uh, ironic, I would say, to quote Alanis, that this is happening and they're doing Godspell, which is a show about, you know, basically what people were supposed to learn from, like, Jesus, I guess, and from the Bible, which is just be freaking kind to each other, take care of each other. Do not put actors to work in the middle of a pandemic just because they need work. Find ways to give them work. That's not endangering their lives. Yeah, like Zoom readings. Like, what's stopping any of these companies from putting on, from signing a SAG, a contract with the Screen Actors Guild, and putting on like a virtual show, like not in front of paid audiences? Like, why why don't they do just like a virtual Zoom musical reading and try to figure out a way to make that entertaining rather than spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars to install install plastic partitions on an outdoor stage? Yeah, in fact, the very first thing that I that came to mind, and I'm going to read it because I don't know, I don't remember, you know, I haven't memorized the lyrics to this, but I thought about this song, ironically, from Godspell, called Learn Your Lessons Well. And, you know, the opening lines are, I can see a swath of sinners sitting yonder, and they're acting like a pack of, like a pack of fools. I'm like, I hope the people sitting there without their masks, you see those people who are wearing their masks like this. Yes! Yes! There's a photo in the New York Times, and like half of the people in those photos weren't even covering their noses. Well, to quote the show, you better pay attention, build your comprehension, do better. Yeah. I wonder if this is like, you know, I think a lot of people are having a hard time accepting the fact. And I think it's the same for the people who don't wear masks. Like they don't want to accept the reality of the situation, which is we're at 4 million people with COVID and life will not go back to normal for a very, very long time. I was uh, shopping and I, and I ran into someone who works in the theater and they were telling me how like off certain off-Broadway theaters were talking about not coming back until fall of 2021. And I think it's people not accepting that we need to have a new way of working for like, at least the next year. And they want to go back to what's as much of before as humanly possible and not really thinking through is that is that the smartest way to do this or can we or is there like a new way to do it that we haven't comprehended yet because this it was basically like a musical except there's plastic everywhere and people can't touch each other like how is that satisfying it sounds fugly af i think i yeah i've this moment for me is like a lot about letting go you know, like letting go of what you expected 2020 to be, you know, letting go of like all the plans that we all had and like letting go of like what I expect theater to be. And I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to 
do that yet and the industry really needs to support people in I don't know, like giving them health insurance even if they're not working for example because some of the actors were doing the show because they needed health insurance that's horrifying it's heartbreaking that uh feel that prides itself in its imagination is showing such a lack of any creativity right now and you know like putting i mean if people are complaining about having to see a play on you know, their screens at home how is seeing a play with people in boxes any better you know what are they willing to to sacrifice what are they willing to put up with like i, I you know it justifies the logic mm-hmm. and it's like and for you as, us, us as audience members i feel like we're the safest because we don't have to give up that much in order to go to a theater and put on a mask and you sit six feet away like what why are you not thinking of the fact that you're you're making these actors work to entertain you and they have to quarantine themselves and they have to make sure they're not sick and they have to uh, uh, and like they're, they're risking their lives for what you know for what are we really the safest though like it seems to me like one of the requirements for most audience members in new york of a certain age is do i have a horrible cough today yes i do then it's time to go see every show this week Oh my god, imagine if we go back to the theater and every time you hear a cough or a sneeze in the audience, you're just like, get me out of here. Yeah, yep, it's gonna be that. And you know, you know that thing where like someone cuffs and then they give permission for everyone to cuff and then suddenly you can't freaking hear whatever Tracy that's wrote about straight men on stage because all the people are coughing over that, so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you think theater should be doing right now instead of trying to put shows up on stage? Everything you said about, you know, fair wages and finding ways to compensate actors and artists for their work. And also they could do something as inventive and as fun as what we did with Madame Daphne on Zoom. So we should just leave Godspell in the past and move on to the future. Like, I wonder if Madame Daphne saw any Godspell for you in your future. Uh, so, so for some context, uh, Madame Daphne's tarot reading is is this the fifty minute program that this company called Strange Immersive, right? Strange Bird, yeah, called Strange Bird Immersive. Uh, they do escape rooms. That the, they're doing tarot readings right now because they cannot do escape rooms once again because of COVID, and it's really lovely. Like, you know. Like, I saw Madame Daphne on Friday, and it was... And you know, I've gotten tarot readings from you before, Jose, and I, I, I felt really comforted because the thing, the thing about tarot reading is you got to go in with, like, a question or a concern or something that you're really thinking about. And that and that day, I had just been notified that, you know, I've been, I've been furloughed since April, but I've been notified that now I'm actually laid off from uh com, which it is what it is you know it is the times that we're living in so i'd just been like feeling really uncertain about everything and like she asked me what i was thinking about and i told her that and she was really compassionate about it and she pulled some cards for me that really made me feel like i had a lot of a lot more options than i thought i did you know like the first card she pulled for me was like the money card because I was telling her, like, I was feeling uncertain financially. And, like, the stars gave me the money card and saying, this, this is your issue. And she also said, I don't know, I don't know how this, maybe she researched me or something. She also said that one of my issues is, like, I want to be of service to, to people in the world. And I don't really know how to do that right now. And my next step is figuring out how to. And I felt really, that, that, felt, really, that felt weirdly accurate. How about you? It's not weird because one of the things that I really loved about the show was I went into it with some, uh, not preconceptions per se, but with a little bit of skepticism. And the reason why is because I am also a tarot reader. I have, I have been doing this since I was 16 years old, which means a full three years now. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, over half my life, right? I've been doing this for 18 years. And I have developed my own technique and my own way in which I read. 
And I thought that once I went into uh, Madame Daphne's like booth, it was going to be a little bit more about, you know, show and a little bit more about, you know, like just general readings and stuff like that. Something cute, right? Something for fun. Because we haven't mentioned that also Strange Bird Immersive is doing this as means of raising funds while they can't do their escape rooms and the traditional things that they do. So also like the readings like $20 and I do believe it's worth every, every cent. So anyway, I go into Madame Daphne's booth and I'm thinking that, oh, she's just going to give me like a very generic reading, right? And lo and behold, in like 15 minutes, she did the Celtic cross for me, which is like one of the most complex thorough uh, spreads in tarot. And not only that, but she was really fabulous at it. She was a great tarot reader, and I was impressed because she did it all in character. So let me find the name of the actress. Oh, yeah, I, and I have my actress, too. Is it the same one? Who's yours? Uh, my actress was Amanda Marie Parker. Just let me confirm. Spider. Woo. There's a spider where? Uh, there's a spider on my wall. I thought I thought it was like a fruit fly, but it's a spider, so I'll just let her go. I'm not going to feed her to my plants. You will live another day, spider. Are you also afraid of spiders? No, I'm not. No. I, I'm not afraid of insects. It's more like it's really annoying when you have plants and there's fruit flies everywhere. So I'm very grateful for the uh, plant I bought that eats the flies. Do you have a Venus flytrap? No, I have a, p- a pitcher plant. So the, the in- insects go into the pitcher and then they drown and then the plant digests them. That is wild. I love, I love my pitcher plant. Her name's Audrey too. Okay, I also got Amanda. So, you also got Amanda? Yeah. I was very impressed because the actor Amanda Marie Parker did it the entire time in character. And she has this like really cool, almost like Wizard of Oz uh, accent where it's like, British. Mm-hmm. It's like the mid-Atlantic accent, right? Yeah, like a classic Hollywood, like weird, you know, like really, really charming accent. And she does the reading, which is very accurate. And she's putting a lot of herself into it while improvising, you know, being in character. What do you think about her bird? Did you love her bird? I, and I love the bird. I love Walter. I'm really glad he was there the entire time. He seemed very sleepy, so I hope he is more animated in future readings. But yeah, I, I feel like the the thing when, about immersive experiences and you know people being in character in front of you is sometimes it can seem it, it can take you out of it if they're not if if you don't feel like they're actually responding to you in the room if if you feel like they're sticking to a script. And what I find fascinating about having an actor do a tarot reading is the is the fact that. The point is you as the audience have to ask them questions and they have to be able to respond. So it makes me and she responded so authentically that I feel that I felt like she was a real person and not playing a character because like I could see like her eyes like understanding me when I was saying I was having a really hard time and feeling really depressed. Like there was compassion there. And so I'm wondering, like, do they give these actors like a tarot class? Like, do they have like, do they come already with this experience? Like it's. It, it was really interesting, like just how authentic it seemed, even if it w- if even if you knew she was an actor. Don't try to go behind the magic; like you'll ruin it for yourself. I don't want to say how they do it because I don't want people to like steal their idea or whatever. But they do, you know, what you said, where you felt like she was looking into your eyes. This is the only, um, I believe, the only thing I've ever done on Zoom that made me completely forget that I was on Zoom, that made me completely forget that I was sitting in front of a screen. And at the very beginning of the performance, she goes through a process, don't give it away. She goes through a process that makes you go like, okay, this is not Zoom anymore. You forget it's Zoom. Maybe she was hypnotizing us. So if only for that, even if you don't believe in Taro necessarily, or if you're skeptical about that kind of thing, go, so you're going to forget yourself for half an hour. I mean, it's like 20 minutes, but you know what I mean. Isn't that that thing at the beginning? Wasn't that like mind blowing? I, I wish I wish I had the option of not of forgetting that I'm on Zoom. I wish people used that Zoom functionality because it is a functionality. But I'm not going to tell you because Jose told me not to. Yeah, because I mean, this company is doing such 
fun work that, yeah, we're not going to spoil it for people. Yeah. I also tipped my actress after, so, you know, I hope if you go and you see it and you had a, and, and it, it was a comforting experience for you that, you know, you do the actor a solid and like tip them after for making us forget for a little while that, you know, we're living in hard times. And it, it truly was comforting, though she did say the devil card is in my future and I have to figure out a way to get myself out of that bind. I'm smiling because the devil card is the card of lust. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is not a good time. You cannot be a hoe right now. This is not the time to be a hoe. It is unsanitary. Yeah, I'll send you a rabbit. (laughs) Oh, how sweet. They're so expensive. (laughs) But since we... Oh, God. Okay. Okay. But since you are also tarot card reader, Jose, do you want to pull a card for today and see how we're going to do? Why not? I have my tarot deck next to me conveniently. Mm. Let's see. Am I your Madam Taffy today? Yeah, yeah. You, you need beads, though. You need beads and a robe and some candles. Yeah, an accent. Ooh. The car I got for us today is the Ace of Wands. Can you see it well? Yes. The wand looks really phallic. That's the devil talking, honey. <laughs> Man, Stephanie was right. The Ace of Wands is really awesome because it means that amazing ideas, creative ideas, exciting inspiration is going to literally pop from the heavens for us. And we have to just make sure to grab it. So go for it. Okay. I guess that means we're going to continue doing this podcast. Thank you, universe. Yes. And if you see something falling from the sky, go go for it. Unless it's like NAC and just run away from it because you don't want to get hit by that. Yeah. And if you want to get tarot reading that's not from someone who's in character, Jose's also started doing them. And is it okay if I plug it? Oh, am I am I our own Casper mattress? <laughs> Use code TTF for a uh, a 10% discount on your reading. He'll give you a card for free. <laughs> uh- I mean, plug me by all means if you think I'm worth it. Yeah, I I do, I do, and in in the times, uh, in these times, like we're all we're all having to build up our side hustles, and I feel like your yours is like one of the most creative ones I've seen, and I and also ones that's bringing a lot of comfort and joy to people. That must be the sweetest thing you ever said to me, and I'm glad you said it on camera so that, that I can remind you when you're being mean. I'm like, remember when you said this. Thank you. But yeah, uh, hit me up. You know how to find me. DM me, email me. I'm happy to do a reading for you. Yeah. And if you just want a quick reading, then Madam Daphne is also available at Strange Bird Immersive. So book them. Go go have a one-on-one theater experience with a stranger. Amen. Now let's go talk to Harriet D. Foy who I love so much. Did you see? I know. Wait, I always forget. No, you didn't see the house that will not stand, right? No. Just mind-blowing in that. And she's also been incredible in P-Valley. We're excited to be talking to her about this new project. Uh, So let's go to Harriet. I am so excited to have Harriet D. Boy joining us today. I love you so much. And I'm sorry that I'm going to like, fanboy all over you but like every time I've seen you uh, and then I was like you know like going through your credits I was like I have seen you so many times and you blow my mind every time I was watching P Valley and I didn't know you were in it and then I saw you and I even screenshot it I was like she's in this uh so anyway uh sorry about that welcome and (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) I love all of that I receive all of that good energy thank you Thank you for joining us. 
Uh, you are going to be in Finish the Fight, which is yeah. a play that Ming Pfeiffer wrote about, you know, I was like mind blown to think that a century ago women couldn't vote. And right now that voting rights are in so much danger. Like, can you talk us, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to be part of this? Well, for me, it's exactly like what you're saying. It's like, uh, it was like a, a history lesson. Like we used to back in school, get like a bit during Black History Month, like of what was going on. And I was, when I started looking up Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune, I was like, wow, I didn't know she did all of that. You get one little snippet. And then I thought, well, how important is that that we're still fighting for some of these same things that a hundred years ago, we couldn't even do it. And yet black women were still at the back and women of color. So I was like, man, I have to do this piece. Um, just like, it's cause it's a history lesson for, you know, people now that they need to know, like the younger generation and some of the older generation. Yeah. And, uh, because the thing about like women's suffrage is, and it, it's kind of like, you know, the women's liberation movement in the sixties, like right. women of color were part of it, but you never see about, see it in any popular media. Most of the time it's centered on white women. Exactly. And if I think too, uh, maybe if you're not like the pretty one or the, you know, favorite, then you weren't in the forefront, like some of these women who were like major badasses, like the activism that they, they did. I was like, are you kidding me? I knew, I had no idea. Like every page, like when we had like our read through together, I was like, who is this lady and why don't I know her? So I felt bad. So I had to go do some more research. You know what I mean? Like, how do we not know this? So that's why I'm glad this piece is out and that the New York Times has commissioned it and directed by Whitney White, one of my favorite directors. And it's an amazing cast. So yes, I'm sorry, I'm taking up all the time. Just talk. Oh no, it's, you're supposed to. If we're I'm talking too much, yeah. If we're talking too much and we're not doing our jobs right. But I mean, what's it been like rehearsing something remotely, especially rehearsing a new play remotely? Because we see a lot of classics being done, but this is a all new piece. Well, here's the thing. So I've done a couple of readings, so I kind of had a vibe for it. And uh, they, they sent, the New York Times sent the equipment. So there I'm trying to unfold the background. It comes out. I took over my mom's basement. I was in Maryland for like literally seven months just because of the corona and everything. So I do it. I set up the lights and I'm all ready to go by the time they come on. So my computer's set up with the Zoom room. They're in the Zoom room and I'm literally doing like the lights, like what you would have your crew do. I felt like, I was like, yes. Oh, so that's what they're doing when we're standing there and they're you know trying to get the right light on you and everything it was really it was really cool and I felt I felt actually more free in that way just to create and do it and uh, some we we would try to do it off book so some of the lines I had up because it was a lot of material in a short amount of time um, but then I just turned on my how you have to audition for film mind and it's like boom 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 it was fun um, I did my little marks um, it, it, I had a good time. Of course, there's nothing like being in a live theater and getting that immediate response, but I think this will last a lifetime and you can always go back to it, you know, and use it in school, like as a tool to teach. Did you ever think you were going to be doing a new play in the midst of a pandemic? I did not. So when it came about, I was like, wait, we're gonna do what? How? So wait, how's this gonna work? Like. Okay, I'm down. Let's see if it works. And it did. You know, I think it's going to be a really um, great experience. I think people will be amazed at the look of the piece. Um, and just um, editing is key in this, which I want to learn more about. And it just make me want to learn more about this medium, you know, because it seems like that's what we're going to be using for some time. So, yeah, and I think you can focus more on these women who were the unsung heroes, I think you can focus more on their stories. Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to be up close and personal. Yeah. And one of the things I've been really loving about this time, you know, I mean, we can't gather in a room, but people are putting things up so quickly. I'm sure that I'm sure the New York Times saying I'm sure you took like a week or two to do that entire thing. And you've done new plays. You did The House That Will Not Stand on the oh. levee. And those things take years and years to yes. do. And so has this been refreshing to just, you know, wham, bam, we're done. 
It it was and a little unnerving at the same time too. Um, it's uh, it, I'm open to every experience now, uh, but there is something to taking that time like we did with the house that will not stand by my bestie Marcus Gardley who wrote that part for me, Makita. Yes, because we worked on that. We did it at Yale. We did it at the Theater Lab and Berkeley Rep. So it was like at least five years maybe pulling that to bring it to New York. Was it five? Yes, like twenty. And even before that, we worked at New Dramatists. So when we were just doing it as a reading, so it took a minute. Um, but yeah, that that was a good piece. A child, I forgot the question because you know I was talking. I have five thoughts because I'm a Virgo, Gemini rising. So the Virgo was real, like you know, here. And then the Gemini's like, bam, 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 ba, da, da, da. Stay on point, Harriet. What's your horoscope telling you right now? This thing, focus. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, child, you know, this is like my second interview since we've been doing um, P-Valley and for uh, Finish the Fight. This is my first one, Finish the Fight. So, you know, and then I didn't know it was on camera. I was like, oh, I got to put a bead on. Put me with some gel in my hair. I thought we was just going to be talking. <laughs> oh, you look gorgeous. Like, I, I want to know what you've been doing with your skin during quarantine. You know, it's just so glowy and uh, dewy. I'm going to let you in on a secret, girl. Rosewater glycerin is key and you have to wear i know people don't want to but you have to do it every day and you have to take off your makeup at night moisturize 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 as wendy williams says honey because i'm 80. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and then you probably smell wonderful because of the rose water all day long right listen just a little vanilla mist just a little just a da 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 yes oh my god Uh, if you launch like a fragrance line, I'm buying everything, okay? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love those earthy scents that that make you feel real sexy. You're just like, mm, what are you wearing? And you're just like, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we need to be best friends at some point. Yes. <laughs> Wait, um, what are y'all signs? Oh, and I'm a- Aries. Aries. Yeah, I'm a Taurus with a Taurus rising, so. Ooh, girl, ooh okay, your house, your house must be really nice. Uh. Now it's nicer than ever because I have time to buy plants, water the plants, decorate. We just talked about those plants. We just talked, didn't we? <laughs> she knows that I have the worst green thumb, so. You're changing that energy. You're going right, to have right. new green thumb energy. Change that. Yes. In fact, you should do, you know, smudge a little bit and just change that whole energy and get you a new plant. Get Start with maybe, uh, what's the one, um, the aloe vera plant. You can't go wrong with aloe vera. Yeah, I'm telling you to get a pothos because you cannot kill those. Or a snake plant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very little. Very little watering. Just put them in a spot and just give it love. And I have new energy thanks to you, so I'll I'll remember that. I want to talk about, you know, that moment in the house I will not stand. That's like, you you know, you know which moment. The moment's like electrifying. And after watching you on stage, I wondered, and now knowing that you did this part for five years, how do you do something like that every night? And how do you then cleanse and like release yourself from a character like that? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, so, okay, when we were doing it at New Dramatist, that particular monologue wasn't in there. So we came to the rehearsal. Uh, I think Patricia McGregor was our director at the time. And uh, Marcus came in. He says, oh, I have some new pages. He says, he always calls me Diva. Diva, I got something for you. And I was like, what? So he gave it to me. It was like, five pages because it was a five page monologue and I was like okay and I read it and it was like I connected immediately with the words I had never looked at it and people thought I had looked at it the night before and it was because it was our history it was like every ancestor spoke to me and I connected to it in such you know like a, a grounding way it was like I was in the pocket and it just came the rhythms that you heard it was that's how I spoke it because I could hear the drums and all that um what would happen because we were at New Theater Workshop and, and it was a close, it was a great cast. It's like literally I would be exhausted after the show. And uh, Jonice, uh, we would, who played Odessa, Odette, Odessa is in the Amen Corner, I just played her. We would walk home after the show from New York Theater Workshop and I live in Midtown and she lives in Jersey, but I needed that time to decompress and I didn't want to be like enclosed on a bus or enclosed on the train. And we would just walk 
and gradually release it because you do have to release it because it's, it's it was such an emotional journey uh, playing Nikita, you know, from beginning to end, being enslaved and then getting that freedom and then trying to take care of this whole house. But yeah, that's that's true. I would warm up, get to the theater early and warm up. Um, always say a prayer before I start each show, you know. And um, I always celebrate one of my ancestors in as if I. I imagine that they watch me every night, so I call a name, particularly before I start a show and say, this one's for you tonight. Mm. What can you tell us about the movie version? I can't say anything. I don't. I just don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. I know that. I don't know who I'll be, but I hope to be in it. But, you know, because mm. things change in film, you know. Yeah, no one else can play your part. Like, it's yours. You know, thank you. I received that. Thank you. I did try to put my foot all the way in it, so you would always remember Harriet D. Foy as Makita. Yeah, we're, we're, Makita and I are one. I, I would find that when I was doing other pieces, that particular monologue, phrases, words would come to me, and I'm like, girl, you trying to play Nina Simone? How are you talking to Makita? Because she would just come to me. So I was like, okay, what's happening now? I need to connect in some way with ancestors, with you know, history or something. So yeah, she's always around. I want to do it again. I want to play her again. You know, because there's so many layers when you come back to a part, like coming back to it after we had done it and we were away from it. It was just a whole nother level for me. And the connection and the way that we were allowed to play and then the cast and how we reacted and, you know, with each other, it was powerful. Like, and especially, uh, I think, Blackout Night, it was all I could do not to cry the whole time because, I mean, just the way they were, everyone was so supportive that night. It was, it was, it's nothing like it. You can't describe it. It's nothing like it. Is it like slipping into like your favorite perp jeans when you get to play her again? Right, Lily, like putting on, yes, putting on her clothes. Even though it was a different um, outfit, and a different, I'm um, sorry, costume, different hair, but she was still the same, her energy, you know? It was fun. I was more relaxed. And you know, uh, before we actually had, um, oh, Lord, what was his name on the table, the, the father? We actually had an actor playing that part, but this time Marcus is like, no, I want him to embody you and you become Lazar. Ooh, he came back to me, you see, he's like, Lazar, girl. Um, and I was like, okay, is this gonna work? Are people gonna, because at first I was a little nervous about it. I was like, how is this gonna work? But once I let go um, and just did it, it was like, there he was, <laughs> you know? So I, I was looking through like what you've done and I've noticed that it's a really, almost even split between period pieces like the house that will not stand was was period versus like modern like p valley and like what as an actor like what what's like your favorite kind of genre to do and what's like the different uh preparations you have to do in order to well here's the thing i love doing comedy I'm really a clown, but I don't get to do as much as I would like to. Like, I love Pratt Falls. I love anything like that. Um, so I think Mama Mia was that as close as I could get to doing like a good comedy when I did that on Broadway and played Rosie. Um, that was one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I would love to do more of that. Uh, what, what's the piece where they're all running around the, it was on Broadway a few years back? Noises all. Oh, like noises is off. off. Amelie was other, yeah. Like noises is off. That kind of crazy, you know, where you walk into doors, stuff is crazy. You do it over like five times. Oh no, no, no. The one where the whole um, set fell apart. That was on oh the-, the play that goes wrong. What? Yeah. Oh my God, that was brilliant. That kind of stuff. I want to do that because that's the last. Now I love good drama, but comedy is everything. You know? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that because. I think that a lot of people, uh, especially outside of New York, and people who haven't seen you on stage, are going to get to meet you now that you're a series uh, regular in P-Valley. And I mean this, like, as the, you know, the utmost, like, compliment, but Patrice is so terrifying. <laughs> and also funny, in a weird She's way. Funny, yeah. Katori has given us the writer's room and Katori, they gave us some really great lines. Okay, Uncle Clifford gets the best lines, but Patrice has a few zingers that are good. Um, what I love the best about Patrice and how she's resonating is that I received that when you just said, everybody hates her. <laughs> 
And I think Katori said, she said, I, I wanted you to dislike her, but I also want you to understand where she's coming from. Um, people, I literally want to do a thing where I read like the fans, like mean tweets or like what they say on their reviews. Honey, I she would eat concrete if it was me. I would have punched her dad in the face. You might, you know, I'm like, what? And so I'll comment sometimes and they get a kick out of that. Listen, honey, Patrice is no joke. I, you know, it, she, I was doing a show, the audition came, and um, I, I just really couldn't focus the very first time it came through because I, I don't know, it was, was I doing Nina Simone? I don't know. But whatever part I was doing, I just couldn't do it. So I went, I was doing another Marcus Gardley's plays, A Wonder in My Soul at Baltimore Center Stage. And uh, it came around again. I said, oh, you better pull this together. So we got it together. My castmates helped me audition and stuff like that. Then I got the call to come to New York, audition. Um, then I went back and they were like, nope, got to come back, call back. And I was like, oh, this is serious. So I really, really had to learn the lines, honey. And uh, came to the call back. It was very emotional. I felt, again, the ancestors were there with me. It was it, it was something like I've never felt before. Like I literally felt it all over. And in my mind, I was like, I think this is your part. And like, I'll, I'll start to cry if I think about it too much because that's how it felt in the moment. Uh, Katori got up and gave me a hug because I literally was overcome. And the fact that the song that I sang, they asked me to sing, was the same song I was singing in A Wonder in My Soul. I know I've been changed. And I was like, oh my God. So girl, it was all, it was the audition. The callback was the uh, episode one in the parking lot with the uh, Mercedes. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Oh my God, that scene. Yeah. Patrice, well, it's, I feel like all the roles that I played leading up to her, um, um, Princess P.I. in Amazing Grace, Dr. Nina Simone, um, Odessa, uh, Makita were all forming me and shaping me to play Patrice. You know, mm -hmm. my first series regular. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, Dickatory see you at Baltimore Center Stage and that's how she knew to put the song in. No. Do you not know Katori when she first came to New York and she used to do her plays at the Lark? You know, and it was like yeah. she would do it and we come in as the actors and read and they give us a little, you know, la-di-da to catch, you know, for transportation and stuff like that. And I remind her, I said, girl, remember when I was doing your plays back in the day? So, no, she, it, there's no way she would have known because she was busy casting P-Valley and writing and creating that whole thing. So, yeah, it was just, that's how it is sometimes. So when yeah. it's meant to be, you know? No, okay, so I've never heard of anyone look up mean comments of themselves online. Like someone... <laughs> Someone, someone who is in public like you are, because I went on your Instagram and all of your comments were, oh, my God, how dare Patrice? And she should not have done that. Like, how do you separate yourself from the character when you read that stuff? Because acting is so personal. Yes, it is. And I love playing Patrice, but I just think all a compliment because I guess I'm really into it and really, you know, giving it to the people. So sometimes I'll comment and say, thank you, darling. And they get so excited, like, oh, my God, you like responded to my comment. I don't think people think we read them. But I just scroll through every now and then and see what's going on, how she's resonating. Um, it doesn't affect me. I just feel like I'm really doing my job. Then if this is how she's you people are, you know, seeing her. So I'm good. Uh, I think there was. No. There was one where they're just like, I hate her. I wanted to jump through the television and beat her. I was like, oh, Ooh. oh, one guy was like, we're going to drive up to the prison and we're going to get Mercedes out. And if you come out, we're going to fight. And I was like, OK, bring it because Patrice ain't no punk. <laughs> She's a God fearing woman, but she doesn't feel normal people. <laughs> Listen. She will take you down. Mercedes came for her. She fought her. Like, you were going to come in her face. What's she going to do? She's not going to back down. <laughs> now, every time I see Patrice, like, you know, like, if you go through my social media, you're going to see she's my favorite character. Like, every time I see Patrice, I want her to come slap me and, like, tell me that I should be ashamed of myself or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, yes, Patrice. Uh, I, I love the show's specificity. And, you know, everything feels so, you know, like all of, the ensemble just, you know, someone showed up with a camera and just like captured everyone and everything. Can you talk about what the, you know, the environment uh, is like and what it takes to create that kind of very lived in experience, especially within your show? Um, I'll say that's all due to Katori and the people that she brought on the team in terms of the crew, 
producers and the cast. She was very specific about what she wanted down to the directors being all female, which made for a very safe space that you knew you were going to be cared for, especially for our ladies who had to, you know, be in very skimpy clothing and really do some very intimate scenes. We had an intimacy uh coordinator uh, if we were having problems they would come and we'd have a conversation about it and how it was going to be shot um, it was a very open space in terms of uh, Katori listening to us and how we thought about our characters we all had a private session with her um, I, I don't know from my first experience I don't know if other experiences are like that but I'm like if that's how it really is then I am here for television and all that because it felt we felt loved we felt cared for I mean down to like crafty it was just it was a great time you know like our support cast our background actors it, it was just a really wonderful time being um, at the Tyler Perry studios was great um, even down to our drivers transpo you know, you, all you could do is just come in, do your part in the scripts and the way she's defined these characters is just like nothing else I've seen in a while, except for Marcus Gardley, of course, because, you know, I'm partial um, and he writes for the Chai. Uh, it, I, 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 you know, there's nothing like it. And everybody feels that way. Uh, her entire cast, all, everybody in the cast feels that way. You know, we talk about it all the time. We call ourselves family. We have our own little private group that we talk to each other constantly. We get along. We love hanging out with each other. So I'm just saying it was all love. So it makes your job easy. You know what I mean? It wasn't like work. It was like, oh, I get to come to set today. It was like, yay. Because sometimes I wouldn't see them because Patrice was always at the church or something. So I was in, in, in the pink except for that first episode. So when I would get to come uh, to that, I was shooting on, you know, um, in the studios. I'd be like, hey, y'all love here, you know. So it was always great. I always look forward to that. I know, do you, do so you feel... <laughs> I know. Do you feel like we move from the party sometimes? It's like, oh, I have to hang out at church instead of... You know, at the fun part of the set. Listen, church was live, honey. It was, whew, she was a whole thing. It was a beautiful church they found way like an hour away. So literally in that car, like at 4 a.m. trying to be there. And it was like an all day thing. And what I love about the lighting um, is that we were there and it was night and it looked like daytime the entire time we were shooting. So when we came out and it was like dark, we're like, oh, Oh, it's night. Like we've been a whole day. No, no, it was great. I, I love working at the church, but it was, I'm just saying it was fun to see everybody, you know? Yeah. You were talking earlier about, you know, getting the equipment and having to like, light yourself and do all those things by yourself. So out of all the new things that you have tried as an actor in quarantine, you know, did any of those things you were like, hmm, maybe I want to, you know, try a hand at, you know, directing or lighting or photography or something like that. Did you find any new skills in yourself? Well, you know, we got all of that at Howard University when I was in school. We had to do lighting. We had to build sets. We had to do it as well as be the actors. My degree was in acting. Um, actually, I, I keep hearing this from friends like, Carrie, you should direct. You should direct. Because that's how I think in my mind, like the look of the piece as the actor. Because we took directing as well uh, from uh, uh, Professor Vera Katz. And... Um, if anything, I would do that. But I love being on the stage so much. I just can't do it right now. Um, and even people are like, you should teach as well. And I'm like, okay, I will. I got to do this part first, you know. Um, actually, lighting was kind of cool. You know, getting that right look. I, I, I didn't mind that at all. So I could put an add that on my resume, take a little, you know, refresher course. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I definitely want to be... Uh, better equipped at the technical aspects. I had to do an interview on Instagram and um, I hadn't done one yet. So trying to figure out how to make me look right in that little square. I could, y'all, I need a course in that and they don't tell you, but it's okay. I got it now. <laughs> You'll get TikTok by the time this is over. I am not TikToking, y'all. Listen, I can Instagram keeps you busy. The Twitter, it's a full-time job because you have to respond and I think you have to engage with the fans because they're the reason that your our show is a success you know I mean aside from our beautiful queen Katori Hall but I'm just saying like they're there they're there for it I love live tweeting I love all of that I wonder I guess we can't live tweet with finish the fight though I guess because that'll just be its own thing I think there's a live chat right yeah well maybe I'll be in that because that would be cool yeah but yeah I love I love live tweeting 
It's everything. Like if someone says something bad about Patrice, I find a good picture of her and I respond, I see you. And I put their name and then I put like a smiley face in a church and money, a bag of money. And they're like, oh, my God, Patrice. Like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Sister Woodbine, but you know you mean. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I see you. And then look, it's usually like this. And she has one with these sunglasses. You see, I said her. She has one with these sunglasses, and she's just looking at the people. I love that. I want her also to hit me with her purse. Like, I, you know, I love her so much. So, like, speaking of Marcus and Katori and this sense, we're not going to say how long you've been in the business. We're not rude. But I, I just want to ask, like, like, had have you seen it change in terms of, like, the amount, the number of playwrights of color or black playwrights that get produced, or like the style? Because there was all this conversation a couple of years ago about how it's so experimental now. Black, black, black playwrights are experimenting with the form. Like, have you noticed that? Of course. I mean, uh, more doors are opening, but still not enough. I mean, it, it, everybody should be able to do their play. Everybody should pre-produce. I mean, we should all, there should be just so many different varieties on Broadway, of color, black, white, everybody. Um, I don't understand why it's always a thing, you know, oh, we're going to have the black play, we're going to have this play. I just think, yeah, it's um, especially but what's happening is a lot of our uh, writers, our theater writers are moving towards television because you are, there is more opportunity. And this is a problem because they're not going to want to do this theater and not make probably make as much money or just have to fight about casting or fight about this. I think our whole uh, um, We See You movement is opening some eyes to that and just like, wow, how people have been, you know, acting and treating people that they didn't realize. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, is there is a change, but always we could use more, more openness, more opportunity. Yeah, more. Since you live between both worlds of the stage and uh, television, I wonder what from the stage that you love would you bring to TV and what from TV that you love would you bring to theater? From stage to the TV, I think it's the discipline. I think that is the key for me. This is how I live my life in terms of uh, a body, in terms of voice, in, in terms of how I prepare. And I think that helps with the amount of time that you have to spend setting up a shot and that so that you're always ready every time they say action. It's, that's, I think of it, that's always the take. So like for me, you know, that's that eight shows a week. Every time is the take. We uh, The last episode uh, that you saw, uh, I specifically did not want to record, pre-record. I wanted to be in the moment. I said, no, even if she's tired, if we do it for the 12th take and that's her voice, I'm saying that's her truth in that moment because it wasn't going to work if I'm trying to sing to a track and I'm trying to take you through this emotion and give you the history of Patrice and P-Valley. Um, it's such an emotional episode. Um, from from te television to film, I think uh, uh, really focusing on that internal, not judging, just being in that moment so uh, 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 truthfully and just so, um, uh, what I want to say, uh, just real and, and not judging. And there's a little more freedom in that, maybe not as much as like because you have to be in a specific spot or like land on your mark. Uh, but just it was more freedom, even more freedom from television to that. Yeah. I mean, it's the same work. It's the same work in times how you have to prepare, how you have to do your background, create a background for your character, create a book, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> and I could ask the questions for like all of eternity, but we're very mindful of your time and <laughs> already over what we said we were gonna oh did we i'm having such a good time you guys are oh, okay. great you have such great questions um and it's good wait, so can me. we oh my god so can we keep you here until like four o'clock just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um. wait i was listening because i was doing my research and you guys Ooh. it was one podcast where you start of course you got to do research to find out who you're talking to there was one you guys started talking about the male anatomy oh no i turned that off the, it was one part. I was like, ooh, this show. What are they doing? <laughs> Sometimes people like that, and other times we get people writing and saying that's offensive. So thank you. No, thank I you loved it. I'm like, ooh. That. Yeah. It's human nature. We should all talk about sex all along. Because that's curse. how you do exactly. When you have yeah. conversation, it goes everywhere. You, like, mm -hmm. you know, and something connects to this, something connects to that, and you just keep doing it. Yeah, talk. Yeah. I loved it. 
But you are fabulous. And right now, uh, please plug everything you have going on right now. Like, if you want to talk about, obviously, the play in P-Valley, if you have any shows that are streaming, if you have everything that you want people to see you in right now, because we have a lot of free time on our hands. Oh, let's see. Well, no, basically, we're just watching P-Valley. Um, I do have a piece uh, that is um, opening another theatrical piece uh, based on the slave narratives. Uh, that my friend Dr. Melanie Joseph is putting together. Um, I have to learn my lines though. Um, I've been so crazy, I haven't had a chance to learn it. And we were, uh, she asked us to choose different pieces from the slave narratives that are um, in the uh, Library of Congress. And so uh, specific ones, and then we're gonna film it and she's gonna put it together as an educational piece for schools. And I also told her, well, I have my own one woman piece on the slave narratives. Um, um, uh, my soul looks back in wonder, which actually Marcus Gardley directed <laughs> back in the day. So I'm feeling like uh, I have time. I want to go back and investigate the piece and add some visuals and things like that. Oh. And maybe, maybe, yeah, do it. Maybe, maybe I should film it, and then it can also be done as an educational piece for you know Black History Month or whenever. Um, other than that, trying to put my apartment back together since I've been away for so long. <laughs> And looking forward to season two, you guys. We got season two for P-Valley. Thank you, 10 episodes. And looking forward to the finished product of Finish the Fight. I'm, I really cannot wait to see what they've done with it. The editing and Whitney's direction. It's just wonderful. I was very honored to be asked to do that uh, for the New York Times. I mean, just honored. It was so funny when we read the script um, and I got to the part where I said Dr. McLeod's name, like literally I welled up because I felt like she was like, thank you. Thank you for telling my story. Thank you. And I was, I'm very connected like that. I know. I'm, mm. I, know. I don't know if people understand that, but you can't, well, you I don't think be. you can navigate and not be connected to your history, to your ancestors. You, just, just no way, you know? Amen. Amen. Uh, and now it's your favorite time of the podcast where we try to talk you into giving us money. Go, Jose. Well, as you heard, Deep has now been officially laid off. Broadway.com's loss. Um, and I'm unemployed also. And we love doing this show so much, but we don't really make money out of it. And we have to pay for food, rent, insane con ed bills, and internet, and all the stuff that we adults have to know in order to stay alive. And we have a Patreon, and we really appreciate if you are able to become a contributor, because this is for all of you, and we keep getting, you know, people who want us to do more, and who pitch stories, and audience members who want us to go talk to someone they love, and we would love to do that so much, but we can't if we have to be figuring out side hustles, and if we have to be freelancing. If we didn't, we would be doing this like 24-7. And also, you're not just supporting the podcast. You know, we put this podcast on YouTube, and so we list the name of our patrons there, and we put it there so that people can watch it if you're into that. We also have the website, TokenTheaterFriends.com, where we cover what's happening in theater and entertainment and interview people because just because this is a pandemic doesn't mean artists have stopped making work, and we've been honored to by all the people that we've talked to who've said yes to our calls and and we're honored to be able to amplify what it is that they're doing and we hope that you support journalism right now which is also going through its own kind of clusterfuck so support independent publishers like token theater friends yeah don't make me pull a card for the future of journalism because i don't want my tech to catch fire <laughs> All right. Thank you all for listening and watching. And you can find links to the things that we talked about on tokentheaterfriends.com. And uh, thank you to our guest for today. And uh, anything else you want to say to the people? Go have fun and go visit Madame Daphne and don't go to gospel or like outside shows and wear masks. Yeah. If you really want to go see a show, you know, tip the actors afterwards. Oh, yes. Get them health insurance if you can. Yeah. All right. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.